I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to episode 74 of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. That is me. Thank you so much for listening. This month, we have teamed up with Eureka Entertainment here in the UK to give away three copies of their new limited edition Blu-ray release of the all-star Hong Kong action classic The Millionaire's Express, directed by and starring Sammo Hung. Simply sign up to our newsletter now at kungfumovieguide.com to take part. Full competition details will be announced in our next newsletter, released on the 31st of July, so that's this Saturday. So become a registered Foo follower today, and you could be in with a chance of winning a copy of The Great Millionaire's Express on Blu-ray. The competition is open to UK entrants only. Head over to amazon.co.uk and eurekavideo.co.uk to purchase your copy of the film today. Okay, good luck with that if you are taking part. And don't forget, we do have a review of Millionaires Express on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. And I also spoke to one of its stars, Cynthia Rothrock, on episode 72 of this podcast. You can listen back to every episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast right now via our website, kungfumovieguide.com, and wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Okay, we've got one of Hollywood's top stunt coordinators on the show today. It was an absolute treat to chat to Brad Martin. That is coming up on today's show. So without any further ado, let's get on with it. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, foo followers around the world, wherever you are tuning in and listening to this episode of the podcast, episode 74. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ben Johnson and I'm speaking to you from London here in the UK. Things are pretty good here. Can't really complain. I do hope that... Everything is looking up and getting back to some form of normalcy, wherever it is that you are listening to this. And I do hope that you are well. Listen, we've got Brad Martin on the show today. Brad Martin. Brad's a big deal in the stunt world. He's one of Hollywood's top stunt coordinators, responsible for the Underworld series, Live Free or Die Hard. Tropic Thunder, Total Recall, Gemini Man, there's so many big movies to his name. He was stunt coordinator on the Emmy-nominated 2021 Marvel series The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When we spoke in May of this year, 2021, Brad was running the second unit and stunt coordinating on a big screen adaptation of the long-running video game Dungeons & Dragons. That is scheduled for release in 2023, so 
bit of a while to wait for Dungeons and Dragons. Brad's a martial artist. He started out in the stunt world roughly around the same time as his buddies JJ Perry, David Leach and Chad Stahelski back in the early 90s. Brad founded Smash Cut back in the day. It sort of ended up being something of a precursor to 8711 action design, which of course went on to create the John Wick franchise, of course. And alongside people like Chad and Dave and JJ Brad is responsible for transforming the image of the Hollywood stunt performer from the cowboys of old uh, into a far more rounded and technically minded community of filmmakers who have gone on to do extraordinary work in Hollywood. Brad is now relaunching Smash Cut Action Design. It is the name of his new action consultancy business. And I'm told that the website isn't quite ready yet. It's that fresh off the ground. But when it is ready, you will need to go to smashcutaction.com to find out more information about Brad's new business venture. Brad is also on LinkedIn and you can follow him on Instagram as well at Brad Martin Action. It's a fascinating conversation. We covered quite a lot of ground. Brad was George Clooney's stunt double throughout the 1990s and into the early 2000s. And he's worked with the likes of Sammo Hung on the martial law TV shows. He worked on the Matrix sequels. He's got some amazing stories and it is all coming up on today's episode of the show. Before we get into that, just a quick bit of business. This is the ninth episode in our sixth season of podcasts and we have been releasing new episodes every two weeks on a Monday. I do very much hope that you have been enjoying the mix of conversations that we've been sharing with you all so far in 2021. The plan is to now take a little time out from the podcast and have a little bit of a summer break. The plan at the moment is to record some new conversations and hopefully share those with you all towards the latter part of this year, although there's no concrete plans for that at this stage. In the meantime, the best thing to do would be to just keep it locked to our usual KFMG pod channels. You can find out all the latest news and information, not just about this show, but also regular updates and news from the world of martial arts movies. Follow us on Twitter at KF Movie Guide, and we are also on Instagram and Facebook at Kung Fu Movie Guide. We're also on YouTube as well. You can just search for Kung Fu Movie Guide on YouTube. And if you would like to send me an email in the meantime, then please do. I do love to hear from you guys. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. All of our contact information plus the latest film reviews and ways to donate to the show can be found on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. And it is, it's really nice actually to see people leaving comments on individual posts on the site seen a lot more of that recently i do encourage that please do feel free to log into the site and ask me any questions leave feedback it is great to hear from you guys the loyal foo followers and if you have been enjoying the show over the years then please do remember to tell your friends share the episodes subscribe to the podcast leave reviews all of that stuff it really does help to build up our community and to support the great work of martial arts filmmakers around the world. So thank you all so much for all your support this year. It is very much appreciated. 
Let's crack on now with today's episode with Brad Martin. Brad has so much experience in the action world and he has opinions and theories on how to do it properly, which is always fascinating to hear. So I will be back at the end of this conversation to sign off properly. But until then, here we go. This is me talking to the Hollywood stunt legend, Brad Martin. So you're in Ireland right now, is that right? Yeah, I am. I'm in Northern Ireland. I'm in Belfast right now doing uh, shooting Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. How's that all going? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it started off rough. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of... Uh, changes changeovers by uh, department heads and things like that uh, i was i took over i was started as stunt coordinator and then i ended up taking over the second unit directing as well so i'm uh, supervising stunt coordinating and uh, directing the action at the same time wow okay you're pretty busy on this one <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, yeah. It's been crazy, and on top of that, we, uh, for whatever reason, the uh, the producers didn't allow us to have our stunt team out there very early. So yeah. usually, I'm used to minimum six weeks of prep, sometimes six to eight weeks of prep with my stunt guys doing uh, pre visual pre visualizations of the the scenes and all of that stuff yeah. on video, shooting all the stunts and the fight scenes, and we got like uh, three or four days. Jeez, no way. Okay, yeah. so that that's that's challenging then. So, how do you respond to that then? I guess you, it's all hands to the pump. You just gotta crack on and and do the best you can. It's that's such a short space of time to prepare, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, we're. I mean, basically, we shoot and prep at the same, same time. time. So anybody who's not working is in our rehearsal area prepping or our riggers or are trying to uh, leapfrog ahead of us and pre-rig sets before we get over there and uh it's just as it's a you know and we're working the weekends it's a scheduling nightmare it's a lot of work right now it's one yeah. and, and not that not that we're doing any massive stunts we're doing a couple of big sequences but it's busy it's as busy as any movie i've worked on for sure it's dungeons and dragons i'm guessing this is a lot of post-production a lot of cgi work going on in this this movie do you know can you say too much actually <laughs> about this i movie? mean, I, mean I, I can't say too much but i can yeah. say you know i can you know as uh it shows on imdb the movie isn't coming out until 2023 yeah the the directors um john daly and jonathan goldstein are trying you know they love doing things practically as you know a few other directors i like working with so we're trying to do as much as we can practically but obviously there's you know some certain elements of vfx visual effects that we have to they're they're going to have to do i don't know why the movie's coming out so late there could be a lot more than i'm anticipating right now i'm not quite yeah. sure okay you're pretty much in charge of so many areas of the production when you are uh, second unit directing I just want to ask, I mean, it must be, you know, s steps away now until you're actually directing your own feature film. Brad, I'm sure this is something you've been considering and, and thinking about. Well, yeah, two things. For one, no, just to, just to um, elaborate and just to explain exactly what second unit directing is, the, my go-to explanation that I usually use is, say, for instance, there's a movie and it takes 150 days to shoot it but the producers are only allowing 100 days of shoot. They have to do something with those 50 days. So they, 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 they lump those in with the 100 days and they, sh they, they, show, they shoot at the same time 
as first unit and this is called the second unit and the second unit usually goes out and takes the stunt doubles the the vista scenes where you know you're shooting sunsets and yeah. you know establishing shots of things and then also all the action scenes that don't involve the first unit which is like the main stars of the movie once in a while we get them over to do fight scenes with us but for the most part we're just doing the action we're just trying to bring to life the vision of the directors and is it directing yes it's directing and there's often times where i have to make decisions on my own where i'm not able to collaborate with the directors and find out exactly what they want and sometimes it's been my vision to begin with and the directors just say go with it so i make these decisions so yeah there's definitely an element of directing there as far as me wanting to direct my own stuff i have a couple pet projects i've had some i've had a project that i've thought of for like 15 years that i still want to do that still holds yeah. up i think today um i have another story that I, my buddy just gave me the the life rights to his story which is another amazing would be another amazing movie but as far as like directing other people's projects i've found that um all of my friends like chad sahelski david leach darren prescott all these second unit directors of, and jj perry they all want to go up and direct first unit. And I get it. I understand that. And I, and I understand, you know, after you do two or three of these things, there's big money in there, but it just leaves a gap in the second unit world. And mm. it's such a, we're, this is such a good world. Shooting action is what I like to do. It's what I yeah. enjoy. I get to create. Everybody looks at me for the answers and I get to develop and, and do things almost as I wish. And, you know, when you're doing first unit, you have to collaborate with the studios and the actors and you have to, it has to be more of another person's vision. And so I'm in a little niche right now where unless I get to do, you know, a couple specific projects, I'm happy where I am right now. Just shooting action on big budget movies is a really good job. But you must be very proud when you look at those guys and see what chad's achieved and i know jj's just started shooting his first um feature film as well this uh day yeah, I, mean, I mean those two of course i'm proud of those guys we grew yeah. up together we started in the business together we trained with each other we we bled together and sweated yeah. together and and uh yeah i mean i i applaud them and i give them huge praise they're they're accomplishing everything that they want to accomplish it's just that i've found that uh you know i've decided i want to accomplish some different things but yes of course huge props for those guys i love those guys they're my brothers and uh yeah it's amazing what they've accomplished i guess it's that shift in hollywood that sort of came about probably when john wick came out where suddenly the stunt community is just being taken more seriously it seems as as artists as directors do you, do you, is that true do you think do you yeah, think, that's true? I think yeah i think very much so when uh chad and jj and i got in the business uh we came in on the heels of the i don't want to like you know just pigeonhole it like this but more or less the cowboy era yeah era. and um you know there were a couple of guys they were getting technical and we saw that there was a technical side to stunts and um the, then Chad and JJ and I, we came in and we started making it extremely technical, realizing that there's a lot more that stunts can be. And yeah. uh, we, uh, along with another one of our buddies, Hiro Koda, David Wald, there's a little group of us that were the first people to start creating these previses, which is a video representation edited of basically the shots you'd like to accomplish in whatever project or scene you're doing. 
and yeah. and um you know but you were doing very sophisticated previs i don't think anyone was going to that sort of level on the previs before you guys is that, well, nobody, is that fair no, to say it didn't exist before us yeah it, 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 it existed in the uh, computer generated the vfx world them like cartoons or what they wanted to see a little bit but we were the first ones to like video viz what we wanted to do and yeah. um that to the point now where it's basically required you have to, people ask for that now they say what are you gonna who are you bringing in for your previous team it's like you know I, you know you guys don't need to know that i created that you know, that was yeah. that was that was our thing you guys are demanding something that i started um but, yeah. but yeah we brought in that technical aspect of it and i think people started to realize that the new modern stuff and you know there's just not all of us but i'd say that the top 10% of the stuntmen out there are very, of the modern stuntmen are very technical right now and know they are very good filmmakers. And I think that producers and directors obviously are starting to recognize that to a level and giving a lot of us a shot to step up and really show them what filmmakers we are. I'll be scrolling through Instagram and you'll see previs that gets put up and then you look at the previs and you're like, well, that's amazing. Why didn't the film or the show TV show look like that in the end, you know. The, I guess there's there's only so far you guys can take it. You're still at the behest of a good director with a vision and, and a good editor as well, really. I mean, ju- that's just a couple of the factors. There's so many factors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's you know maybe they didn't have the money to do it properly. Maybe the director decided they wanted, you know, the main director decided they wanted to make it different than that. They didn't want exactly what the previous offered. They, the studio makes their changes. Um, the, the, the script isn't really that great to begin with. So maybe the movie doesn't do that well anyway. And when yeah. you're not connected and the, the main thing that I always say with, action is that if you don't have story and a strong story driving it then action's just action you can you can watch yeah. well you can watch watch great action all day and not be very excited if there's no story to draw you into what's going on that's the philosophy you still in still is that it's still it needs to be character driven this isn't just um yeah action for action's sake you know it is it is in service to the to the story essentially yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about. And that's and people always ask, you know, what's the next evolution of stunt and the next evolution of action? Um, aside from, you know, like a few examples like John Wick and Matrix and, um, you know, movies where the actor has really spent the time to train and know their action to the point where you can actually shoot their faces and you don't have to stunt double them nearly as much which is what the audience wants to see aside from that like where is what's the evolution and i don't know if there's necessarily an evolution but if you i think one thing that matrix got so well and you know obviously there, there there's going to be an evolution with some film techniques but all in all it's just the the more you can get the actors to train and the more that you can have them dedicate to their particular show and really dive in to the action world and, and dial it into the point where they can perform on screen and you have the good story, that's what yeah. it's all about. It's just, that's, you know, I don't know where it goes from there, but I think that there's only been a few times, John Wick, Matrix, which happened to both be Keanu, um, who's very yep. dedicated in that way. Uh, there's very few instances where you have people that dedicated to being able to be shot in their action um 
And that's what sells it right now. Is Kate Beckinsale a good example of this? She is someone who had zero action experience. I mean, she's Shakespeare and came from a you know theatre, a costume drama type uh, background. You throw her into the Underworld series and, you know, she comes across as a legitimate, you know, badass uh, in those movies. Would you use her as a good example of what great results you can get from from that level of, of training? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that, you know, in, in the, the later Underworld movies, she didn't have the time she did when she was when it was, uh, you know, when she was younger. But the yeah. first Underworld movie is a great example of that. We trained her for... Two months she was in with us, three times a week, um, working her butt off, hanging in wires, doing fight choreography, training hard. And uh, I, I think it was because of that that we ended up, that she ended up looking so strong. And I think she even surprised herself. That seems to be, <laughs> be her reaction is, you know, you were getting her to do stuff that I think even she was like, well, can I do that? And yeah, there you go. It's, um, well, I mean, she's such a hum- humble woman anyway. She's so cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she's, she's just really down to earth in that way. Yeah. But yeah, she, yeah, I think she did. I think she surprised herself in, in terms of what she thought she was capable of. Yeah. Um, and, but- and that's just, that's, you know, that was, that was Kate at two months. And then you get like, uh, Keanu, who did six months on the first Matrix, and then I was with him on Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, where he did another year of training. And yeah. then I don't even know how much training he probably had another, you know, six months or uh, of training for the John Wick movies at least. Yeah, um, in a combination, you know, probably well over a year. So um, you get somebody to that level, and then that's what you know. Then you're capable of doing a John Wick. Yeah. Is Keanu one of those sort of rare beasts, though, <laughs> Brad? I get the sense that he just loves it, doesn't he? Like, he loves his kung fu and learning all the action, the stunts. I mean... Uh... I, mean I, don't, I don't look at Keanu as, like, a diehard martial artist. Like, somebody like Jason Statham, he's somebody who yeah. wants to be a good martial artist, and he's amazing in his own right. But I think Keanu's just dedicated to his craft, and if his, you know, he just immerses himself in his character. And if his character is a martial artist, he will study martial arts because that's his character. That's his job. Yeah. I don't know if he has the passion for martial arts um, as much as, say, Statham does. But he's way, way more dedicated than any actor to learn his craft and learn his character um, than anyone else I've ever really worked with. Have you ever had a situation, though, where maybe an actor comes in and they really want to do their own stunts? But I don't know, it's not working or for insurance reasons. And then you just think, well, do you know what? This is just going to be so much easier for me to just use the stunt doubles. Um, and if that's the case, how do you have that conversation with the with the actor? Well, no, it's not for insurance purposes. It's because they just don't have the talent to perform good action. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. you know, the, you, the one of the common things you hear in the acting world is, you know, I do my own, I'm an, you know, I'm an action actor. I do my own stunts and, you know, it takes, it takes any good stunt coordinator or action director, you know, 20 seconds to, to say yes or no, whether you're, you know, you could call your bluff or not. Yeah. (laughs) And um, there are only a few, there's only a few guys that I would really put in front of, well, technical action. And then there's like another handful, like say like, um, a Mel Gibson or somebody like that, that it doesn't, you know, maybe Mel's not great at technical action, but, you know, back in the day, he was just great at 
action acting yeah um, which which in its, in its own is a is a separate skill in its own right um and aside from that yeah i just think it's these these actors um that just they just don't really have the wherewithal to action act so to make the product look better we just double them yeah yeah i mean there's but i mean i've my buddy um Dion Hristov, who just did, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, he's from, he's a Bulgarian stunt coordinator, and he just did a Maggie Q movie, and he was just showing me the footage of it, and I think it might even be in the trailer right now, where she she does this stunt where she jumps off this third story building grabbing this hose in the in in the movie you know obviously she's on a wire and and drops descends down three stories to the ground and Maggie did it so you know if an actor really has the talent and really wants to go for it and you know you can you can show everybody how safe it can be and the precautions you're taking to apply the stunt they're gonna they're, they you know oftentimes will allow the actors to do it it's just that you know it's more about the look of things you mentioned i can't remember which interview it was now but you said you were talking about bringing out an actor's violent side and yeah, right. particularly if action and martial arts and doing fight scenes isn't isn't your thing or you're new to it you know how how do you get someone to actually look convincing to you know get the adrenaline pumping i mean is that is that part of your role as well is to you know get them in that uh, frame of mind i guess um not necessarily but i like to step into that spot if you know i'm allowed to i love to get the actor i my job is to make the actors look good and i'll do whatever i can to help inspire them to do so um yeah they they like you when when one's doing a fight scene well when when one's in a fight it's a violent situation yeah so to really be able to emulate that in a fight scene you have to find out what what's actually going on there are you a stoic character, maybe, you know, maybe in some cases the character is stoic and doesn't have much emotion going on, but, you know, more often than not, it's a fight and there's violence and there's aggression. And I say this to newer stunt guys as well, is that when you're doing a fight scene, emote, uh, make noises, uh, you know, grunt, and, 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 and when you're throwing a punch, yell, and when you're getting hit, you know, make big noises, oh, oh, you know, and 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 just let all that air out because that's going to help you perform better, and it's going to help yeah. you get into the role. And it's in turn just by being loose like that, it's also going to make your action flow better. Yeah, you know, I've seen many actors, and the good actors, you can teach them a fight scene, and they might not be necessarily that great at it. But as soon as you put the camera up and they shoot, you shoot them in front of camera, and they get into the acting mode of it, and they really get in touch with what they're doing, you know, which is, you know, in getting in touch with that violent side, they can make, um, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, they can make action that would normally be a five look like a 10 with their action. Yeah. You know, if you shoot it the right way. And have you ever had the experience, Brad, where you've been working with an actor who maybe isn't <laughs> pulling their weights or giving that hundred percent or would rather just be sitting in their trailer uh, not participating and then how do you deal with with a situation like that well that goes back to one of your previous questions where and th- that's another reason you just double them yeah, yeah if they're yeah. not into it it's like okay fine let's figure out let's get a couple close-ups of them and uh we'll double them with their stunt double that really you know is in tune with the action and we'll make them look good without them really having to put in much effort yeah 
yeah, not naming anyone, but I interviewed Brett Chan uh, uh, recently, and we were yeah. <laughs> we've been discussing a very similar situation to that. Not not naming anyone, but yeah, it does sound like an, a, a nightmare as well because it lands on the team in charge. You know, if you're the stunt coordinator or the fight choreographer, it's your you know it's your name there, isn't it? As well, you know, that's the that's that's the thing. Well, yeah, and that's the other. Th- I mean, going back again to what I was saying earlier, that there's so many factors that make a good movie that yeah. you can go. Um, watch a movie and the uh, the script might be amazing the previses may be amazing but it just didn't come out on film and the movie bombed and everyone's like well what happened and you know you can't blame necessarily any one person you can't yeah. blame the stunt coordinator you can't blame necessarily the director you can't there's just again so many factors that really change it that um, it's when a movie comes out and and everything falls into place it's sometimes more it's an uh, it's an anomaly yeah, yeah yeah and then it just takes some people on twitter to just say oh that's shit and then just that's you know <laughs> just kill a yeah, movie the people that talk they have no idea what they're talking about exactly oh, yeah. oh that stunt coordinator sucked yeah well you have no idea the pain that i've been through and countless other stunt coordinators to try to get an actor to train and yeah. try to get them to learn how to throw a punch or just do something that they're supposed to do in the movie and they just don't care like you were pointing out earlier yeah um, and 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 yeah and so many other reasons as well maybe you know the this action is horrible and doesn't fit with the story and there's 20 better ways to do it but the director just wanted his way it's like yeah. okay fine just this is your movie it's not my movie just do it your way it's all good oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. goose fist I'll turn you into a goosey stupid fool. Taekwondo, I believe, is your style. Is that right? Well, I started off um, in Kung Fu and a, a, a basic uh, Japanese martial art called Kokondo. And then I started, when I got into my teens, I started training Taekwondo. I had my black belt in Taekwondo, um, in ITF Taekwondo. Yeah. And then I started t- taking WTF, which is like Olympic style, and uh, Aikido in university. And then when I moved to L.A. and I met Chad and J.J. and all those guys, J.J. was a WTF uh, Taekwondo guy. Um, But Chad was like, he started off in judo and then he studied under a man named Dan Inasano, if you're familiar with him, who's one of Bruce Lee's understudies. And uh, the Inasano Academy, Chad was a full instructor and uh, he was basically a a teacher in eight different martial arts. And so when we would train together, Chad would show us what we knew. We would show him what what he knew. We would show him what we knew. And we would just all come together. And we called that martial art Hollywood Doe, which was basically whatever looked good for movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is quite separate from martial arts, isn't it? (laughs) What works in the ring is not necessarily... Uh, translates to the to the screen yeah one of my catchphrases is i might i might get my ass kicked but I'll, at least i'll look good going down yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah um, it's a completely different thing fight scenes and fighting are two different things i would i couldn't imagine getting in the ring with one of those beasts in the ufc yeah. i mean yeah. it would but you get those guys to try to do a fight scene and it doesn't necessarily translate you always had a passion for for movies growing up and obviously sports in in general did you see 
this role for you in your future growing up or what what were the what were the sort of options well funny you? enough there were a couple of things that kind of gave that planted the seed in my head when i was a kid there was one show on tv it was it was uh, late 70s called that's incredible and it was just about people who did like amazing things and and uh physically and mentally whatever but there was this guy that came on from time to time and he was a stuntman and uh, I remember this guy he would jump like one of the things he did in one of the shows is he jumped a speeding car and there was stuntman wobble I don't even remember his name so um, and then uh, in the early 80s there was the uh, Lee Major show called the fall guy which was you know a detective show based on his backstory was that he was a stuntman during the day and a detective you know when he was hired for it and so I just got to I realized that that's a job a, yeah. a man, you know, a stunt man. And so, you know, being a kid, obviously I had fantasies of that and, you know, I didn't really take it too seriously until I got into university. And then I started realizing that there was nothing that I was really interested in doing. I was a business major. I hated that. Um, you know, I went, my mom took me to a couple companies to that specialized in trying to find um, jobs, occupations that you might enjoy as an adult. So I, I you know, I took some tests and they told me you know, maybe I would be good as a veterinarian or a lawyer because um, I love animals, I love logic, but I didn't want to be behind a desk all the time. So one day I was just sitting there and, you know, the flashes of my childhood came in. You know, I was trying to think of anything that I could do. And I was like, wow, stuntman. Wow. I'm, that's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And the second that I had that thought in my head as a serious option, it was um, – it just – grew and grew and grew and it never went away so yeah. from the moment which was which was uh 89 and then i moved to from 89 until 93 when i moved into la i was that was what i was doing i told everybody that's what i was gonna do i'm moving to la i'm gonna be a stuntman period what was your parents reaction to that oh my my dad was like well you can as soon as you graduate from university i'll direct i'll, I'll respect any decision you make when i told my mom I said, hey, mom, I didn't know what I want to do. I want to be a stuntman. The phone was silent for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing. I was just like sat there. I was waiting for her to say something. And the first words that came out of her mouth were, I knew it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. So <laughs> at least I'm picking something. I'm not shocking anybody here. Were you looking at applying your martial arts skills as well as a stuntman? Was that? Well, that I didn't really know 100% what a stuntman did. Yeah. But um, also, you know, when I was a kid on, on television, uh, right before WWF, which is now WWE, the World Wrestling Shows, yeah. they had Kung Fu Theater, and it, yeah. they would always show all these Chinese movies and people that were doing fight scenes. And I would always go into my garage and practice things like that. And I always thought it was way cooler to look cool and do cool things physically than fight. I wasn't really interested in fighting, but I was interested in looking cool. Yeah. And so when I realized that that was a part of being a stuntman, I was like, oh yeah, this is perfect for That's me. And then me. subsequently being a martial artist and being, you know, fairly high level martial artist, um, going into Hollywood, that was, that was a huge bonus for me as well. Because I became one of the top fight guys in the business, me, Chad, and JJ, basically. It's amazing the influence that Kung Fu Theatre had on, on that whole generation that so many people I speak to grew up watching Kung Fu Theatre, being inspired by those old, badly dubbed <laughs> Chinese Kung Fu films. That's I mean, so is, <laughs> you still love those movies? I mean, I don't 
I don't know. I don't li- <laughs> I don't watch them anymore. No. I think they're for me they're too choreographed now. But the yeah. evolution of that, the next evolution with that, that um, Chad like uh, Chad and I would train together. We'd wake up in the morning. We would go lift weights. We would go have breakfast. We'd go do martial arts. We'd go have lunch. We'd go to gymnastics. We'd go have dinner. We'd go to trampoline class. We pretty much did that for 10 years yeah. um, when we weren't working. And at night, after all that, we would come home and we would throw on Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan was the evolution of those Kung Fu theater movies where now he's not, it's not such stylized you know, Kung Fu. It's more fighting. Yeah. Um, or it's more... Um, it looked more natural, more organic, and more creative, and uh, that's what we—that's what inspired us in the yeah. early years. Was Jackie? And I still love Jackie now. Jackie, old Jackie, like late '80s, early '90s. There's nothing better in terms of just. I use it. I use it so much as a reference, just for lessons. I'm not saying that you know the fight scenes. You could do those fight scenes now because they're a little bit dated, but. There's so many principles within those fight scenes that you can you can use for the end of eternity for lessons on how to do proper action. So you still see Jackie as as, as such a, an influential f- force. Then I mean, you know, that's still a reference point. I would say Jackie Chan was my number one influence in the yeah. in the movie business. Oh, you've got guts, but I'm going to bear you alive and jump on your head to revenge our sister. You land in Hollywood, what, early 90s? Is that 93, right? yeah. Yeah. But Hollywood were not doing fight scenes like that. <laughs> like, that was just not the way that they were shooting fight scenes. They just weren't really thinking in those terms. Now, was that part of your philosophy then when you were getting going? You were thinking, you know, this this needs to change. The way the, these fight scenes are being filmed, this is the way forward. Is that is that right? Is that yeah, how sort of came about? Yeah, it's fair. I mean, and, and that's what got us all into first fight coordinating, then stunt coordinating, then second directing and directing, which is that when you're a stunt guy and you know where you think everything should go in terms of the evolution, but... You know, as a stuntman, you have zero say in what really happens. You might be able to pick out a couple moves and help the choreographer with what the fight's going to be about, but you're not going to tell anybody how it should be shot or anything yeah. like that. So it was just, it was, it was more of, well, if you're not going to let us do it, we're going to show you how to do it. We're going to make opportunities for ourselves and show you guys how it can be done. And yeah. I think that's what really stepped, you know, me and the guys up to the level that we're at today. So... Smash cuts, then. That's the precursor to 8711. I'm not sure on my history here on where Smash yeah, yeah. Cuts evolves. Yeah. yeah so, so, there is, there, so Chad, um, David Leach, uh, Mike Gunther, Marcus Young, and myself started this company called Smash Cut back in the mid-90s. And it was yeah. going to be an action design company, basically, because that basically we knew what needed to happen. We knew... You know, we had to choreograph fights based on your or build sets based on the way we wanted to choreograph a fight. And we knew the way that things should be shot. So we started doing previses and we started going that direction. Unfortunately, we didn't really have the guidance or the foresight to see exactly how to pitch it and really to get it going. And mm-hmm. so um, 
you fast forward a couple of years and, you know, that dissolved. And then uh, Chad and Dave and Damon Caro, does, and they asked me as well to be part of 8711. And I, I just wasn't, I, I, I declined because I just want to do my own thing. I'm not yeah. a group kind of person. Um, and so those guys uh, went off and did 8711. And obviously, you know, I'm always going to be family over there. Um, and, uh, you know, through the years, Damon ended up going to do his own thing again, just because, you know, everybody, and now Chad and Dave have kind of split. And Well, Dave's split. off doing his thing now, yeah. yeah now there, yeah. there's 87 North and there's 87 Left. It's like, okay, cool. Well, it was a, but um, that was just a great stepping stone. They, Chad um, and Dave and Damon did a really great job of just really creating that environment for productions and letting them know where action should begin and how you can how you can grow it within a production you're still in touch with you know dave and chad you still work on each other's projects and and that sort of thing no not really um those guys are doing their own thing i'm doing my own thing jj and i we talk all the time um it's just i don't know chad and dave are just busy they're just doing their own thing but um yeah yeah who knows now jj's a big time director who knows yeah jj so jj must have been one was he one of your first buddies you met when you when you came to hollywood then oh chad it was chad was okay and okay. then there was another stuntman who's not a martial artist named tim rigby and we were like inseparable us three and and uh yeah yeah but chad and i were basically the ones we pushed each other we did everything together we i I would say that i influenced him and he influenced planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the first big movie I've got here for you is Batman Forever 95, doubling Chris O'Donnell. That was a big step for you. Is that right? Yeah, right. So... Um I was, there was, there's a stunt girl named Jen Caputo. Jen Caputo brought me out to meet the stunt coordinator, Conrad Palmasano. And uh, subsequently from that meeting, he invited me to a martial arts audition when they were auditioning for Batman Forever. And uh, they were just looking for uh, Harvey, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Harvey Two Faces Thugs. And I was too small for the role. Um, but I went out there and he really liked my martial arts and my fight scenes. So he hired me anyway. So I was one of the smaller, I was probably the smallest thug out of all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, from there, uh, Conrad, Connie, I call him, or, uh, he gave me a shot to say, hey, um, Chris O'Donnell's doing this scene where he has to do his laundry. Mm-hmm. And they used, they used that uh, Yin Bu uh, movie. 
Yeah, uh, I read this in Dreadnought. Yeah, in Dreadnought yeah. to do his laundry, and they use that as inspiration. And I basically, you know, he said, we come up with something for the scene. And, you know, I copied you know, a few of those moves for sure in there. And then I made up a couple other ones as well, like swinging socks, like, like, yeah. uh, like, like collie sticks and things like that. And I just did that. And, and then uh, he had a fight scene coming up, and it turned out that I made a decent double for Chris as well. So then he had a fight scene coming up, and Connie put me in that spot to double him for the martial arts. Mitch Gaylord did the, the gymnastic stuff, but I did the fight stuff for him. And, and that was my first time really doubling a, um, a star and a, and a big feature. Yeah, and I'd yeah. been in the business about two and a half years. and uh, It's yeah, quick, isn't it? It's quite quick to to get off the ground there and land such a huge production as as a as a Batman movie. Absolutely, yeah, and and uh, I guess I have to attribute that to um, again, like I said earlier, back in the day, being a technical stuntman was rare, and so that's mm. what you know, Chad and JD and I were driving to become, and uh, that skill became known you know you know people realized that they needed that skill within their stuntmen and so us us three started working you know early on uh, quite often you were george clooney's sort of main stunt double for quite a few years yeah like back in yeah. his he was doing his action movies like uh, yeah. so so um conrad palmasano the guy i was just speaking about who brought me in to do batman and robin uh, or back, sorry, Batman Forever uh, to Double Robin. After that movie, I wrote him a letter every three months for a year and a half saying, I'd love to assist you, help you out in anything you ever need. And he called me one day and goes, hey, I'm doing this movie. Do you want to come out and be my assistant? And uh, you can double this guy. His name's George Clooney. That was back before I didn't even really know who he was. Yeah. I was like, yeah, cool. And it was the, the movie The Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, I went out there and I doubled uh, George on The Peacemaker and did some of you know, I did you know one or one or two of the biggest gags of my career in that movie. Yeah. And uh, from there, uh, he took me on to be do Batman with him. I've done Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, The Perfect Storm, uh, Out of Sight, Out of Sight, um, yeah, Three Kings, Three Kings, yeah, yeah, uh, Ocean's Eleven. So I've done you know I've been with him for yeah I did six or seven movies with him. Yeah. 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 Is that rare for an actor to just have their own stunt double? No, it's it's certainly not uncommon and there's a few guys like say for instance uh The Rock who's yeah. had Tanoi Reed as his stunt double. It's I think he's his I don't know if he's his actual cousin or if he's just, you know, somewhere in his family line, but anyway, he's been dubbing him since the beginning. He's been dubbing him for 20 years. Yeah. Um it's not uncommon at all. And you know, the the actors they like they don't want to look like they're not amazing athletes. Yeah. So yeah. they or you know whatever great at their action. So they bring in the guys that they know are going to make them look good. And they don't have, you know, somebody, they, people, actors can get nervous when their new stump doubles coming in for them. So they just, they just want to make sure that they're going to look good. Was George someone who was like, well, you know, I, I reckon I can do this one, Brad. Was it that kind of relationship then where you were like, oh, okay, yeah, give that a go. Or or you would say, no, that that one's, uh, I'll, I'll be doing that one. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't say anything. I wasn't the sure. stunt coordinator. The stunt coordinators would would say that. And yeah. um, George was just a, was a you know, and, and his jobs weren't anything that were technical necessarily. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, he was also just level-headed as far as an actor goes. He realized, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, I don't want to get banged up. 
Uh, just yeah. bring in Brad. Let him let him do it. It's totally fine. <laughs> Very well. You've chosen to die. That's something you would still say to stunt performers today is, yes, it's it's all well and good if you're a good tricker or, I don't know, you can, uh, you know, you drive cars or whatever. But get a sense, get a technical, rounded sense of, you know, all aspects of production. That's the sort of advice you would be giving people, Brad. I mean, yeah, there's so, there's so much advice I would give to a new stunt person. Uh, yeah, like one, like you can't just do one thing. You can't just be a martial arts stunt guy. You have to do everything. And that, unfortunately, there are so many of just those people that just bank themselves as a martial arts stunt guy or I'm a gymnast or I'm a driver. And back in the day, we had to do it all. I mean, yeah. we were all going to driving classes. We were all riding horses. We were just figuring it all out, trying to do anything that you might have to be asked to do on set. We were trying to be at least capable of doing that, yeah. um, if not excel in it. And, uh, and, and then another thing I would say to like the newer stunt people is, is um, we're, we're stuntmen at the end of the day. And a stuntman is somebody who there's a technical side to it, yes, but we are asked to do things that other humans wouldn't normally do. And yeah. usually that's putting your body not necessarily in risk of injury, but risk of being hurt. So... Yeah. You just gotta be tough. There's so many people out there. There's so many stunt people that try to get in the business that just aren't tough anymore. They're like, oh, I'll do this and this, but I don't wanna crash on the ground very hard. It's like, well, that's part of the job. Mm. So um, yeah, being well-rounded and being tough are two of the, the big things for sure. And being just generally fearless, I guess, you know, <laughs> being up for anything, but also because as you say, you know, you're dealing with, you know, fire, you're doing falls, you know, car stuff. There's so many things also that can go wrong on film sets. And you see, well, you hear those stories as well, Brad. Yeah, well, I, I really want to make people aware that stunt people are not fearless. Um, stunt people do everything with the educated um, risk. Um, we understand what we're doing. I like, for instance, you know, I've done some things that are, have been pretty hairy in my mind, but I would have never done them had I not known that I could do it. Yeah. But it may have taken all of my attention to do it. Um, but if you do something and you're feel that you're taking a huge risk by doing it, that doesn't make you a good stunt person. That makes you a dumb stunt person. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I just want to really clarify it. Of course. That. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years then, what are the, some of the sort of hairier stunts that, that you've done, Brad, would you say? Well, like, for instance, um, you know, I, I, and then just going back to what you were saying, too, is, yeah, and, and on top of that, yes, yeah, sometimes things go wrong, but you just have to be heads up and you have to be aware. Sometimes there's accidents and you can't avoid that. Some things just happen. Um, but for the most part, you know, if you're just aware of your surroundings, you know what everybody's doing and, and you know how to look out for yourself, um, you're going to be just fine. Uh, one of the one of the hairier things that I've done um, in my career was actually back in the first Underworld. The uh, there was Scott Speedman had to do this stunt where he fell out of the window. Unfortunately, you know the the film doesn't quite show how how sketchy the gag was, but um, uh, Scott Speedman standing at the top of this like a three story building, four story, which was like 50 feet in in Budapest. And uh, these guards come in and they shoot him and he falls out the window. So 
his stunt that he had to do a back flip with a half twist or like a half twist and a front flip basically. So half twist head under into boxes from 50 feet. And the other building across the way was uh, it was in an alleyway and the other building across the way was 13 feet or 14 feet away. So something you tend to do when you jump off of a building backwards is people tend to push off. And if, and and just you know a few years prior to that, there was a stunt woman named Sonia Davis uh, that pushed off a little bit too far on a movie called Vampire in Brooklyn, and you know it's and she ended up uh, going into a coma and passing away, and, and things like that happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, the stunt double who was doubling Scott Speedman decided that he this wasn't for him. He didn't want to do it, and, and somebody wanted to do it. I was over there with my team. It's like you know what? I know I can do this, um, so I'll volunteer to do it. But right. um, it it was uh, you know it's a, you know I went to the, this gym where we found a place where we could do high falls and I taped out you know 14 feet away and I got up like 35 feet which was still 15 feet short of what I had to do but just make sure you know I was still within my boundaries of you know knowing that I could do it and with all of my trampoline and gymnastics training you know I knew I was capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, on the day, on the night when we were doing it, it was at nighttime, lights are shining, shining up at me. Um, at the night when I was going, within you know, the, the last 10 minutes of, before I went, I just cleared the room, closed my eyes, did a little meditation and just focused. And you know, I, just, I knew it was going to be okay, but I knew I needed, it was going to take everything that I had just to focus and get in the zone. Um, just so I knew everything would go right. And because that, you know, something goes wrong or you make the wrong um, the wrong move and you know, you're dead. Yeah. But you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to die. I didn't want to die. I knew I was going to be okay. Just, I just needed some focus. Yeah. So yeah, think that that's, those are the situations that I would call hairy, just things that take your complete focus. Yeah. Yeah. But anybody that does anything where they think that there's a really good chance I'm going to get injured. That just makes them, um, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that used to be the 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 old attitude with stunt stunt performers is that it was that sort of cowboy attitude and it's like oh does anyone want to jump out jump through a window yeah I'll do it sort of thing but and and actually people probably don't realize just how safe film sets actually are you know well I mean and and that's the, now going back to what I was just saying about stunt guys have to be tough I mean there's there's this um, generation now that's come up where everybody got a trophy growing up and everybody thinks they deserve everything where, and uh, I have this, this term where I feel like they're trying to nerf the world, you know, like the nerf, the nerf guns, they're trying to make everything soft. So nobody ever gets hurt. And um, that's what's happening on movie sets now to the point where I think in my opinion, just my opinion, um, I think it's too much. They're like trying to make everything safe. You you crash into something. Oh, let's make sure it's all foam. And you know they hit there and they can do it twenty times, so they're not going to get hurt. And make sure the ground. We paint. We put a piece of foam on the ground and we paint it to look like the ground. So, yeah. you know, you can hit that and you're no one's going to get in. No one's going to get hurt. It's like well, at sometimes that stuff costs a lot of money. Like for instance, you throw a piece of foam on the ground and you have visual effects have to erase that. That costs another $10,000 to do. Mm. Whereas like if you can just toughen up a little bit or learn your craft and learn how to fall properly where you're not going to injure yourself. Like martial arts is a great example of learning to break fall. I mean, I, I, that's what I do. That's how I fall. Pretty much most of my falls that I ever do are break falls. 
Yeah. Um, and I know like when I'm going to do a fall, like somebody shoots me and we call it a flat back. You fly backwards and just land on your back. I know that I'm going to put on a knee pad on one knee. I'm going to turn it sideways. I'm going to put on a little hip pad over the same side uh, hip bone. And I'm going to throw in an elbow pad on probably both elbows. And, you know, you see some stunt guys that just look like the Michelin man all padded <laughs> up and everything. So you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah. It's, it's, if you just know the technical side of things and you know your craft, you don't have to do that. You bastard, I didn't know who you were. You've worked with Hong Kong crews as well. Yen Wu Ping's work on the Matrix sequels. You worked with Samo as well, didn't you? On You worked on Martial Law, I saw, in your yep. uh, IMDb. I did Charlie's Angels with... Yeah. Yen. Being a fan of those Hong Kong action movies, was that amazing to be sort of thrown into that world and to learn how how they approach the action? Yeah, well, our first education, Chad and mine and JJ's, our first education into that world was martial law with Samo. Yeah. And that was fight stunt school on steroids. I mean, yeah. we... We went in there and we learned so much in the short amount of time that we worked on that show, just dealing with those guys. They, you know, Samo, I tell this story often where um, Samo, you know, he was quite overweight. He would just sit back in his chair and uh, smoke a cigar while his choreographers are choreographing a fight for him against like five to 10 of us. And, you know, he's watching for like 15, 20 minutes as they're putting this fight together. And then he'll just like in Chinese, he didn't speak English, you know, just get out of the way, move, move, move. I got it. And then he would stand in the middle of us and he'd say, okay, go. And then we all go. And then he would like, look at somebody go, you're late. Look at the next guy. You punch, punch harder. The other guy, you know, he would like had notes wow. for everybody. Yeah. And he wasn't the one that was missing anything. He yeah. nailed it the first time around. So yeah, we learned um, really quickly what the, the level of choreography and the level of demand was to be able to fit in one of those slots. One of the things that I think, you know, not Jackie, but Chinese wire work in general, mm -hmm. I think that we all thought it was a little bit floaty in, 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 in the sense that you could tell that they were on wires. You could tell yeah. people were flying on wires. I think Jackie did a really good job of making it feel a little bit more grounded, but that's another thing that we were doing as well. Is like, wait a second, we can do what these guys are doing. We can do it with more, you know, less, chore uh, without a less choreographed, with the less choreographed feel and, and led, making everything seem more realistic. And that was kind of the evolution. We took their stuff and we evolved it into what we felt was better. The move into stunt coordinating and general action design happened sort of around the early 2000s. Were you thinking, look, I've been, I've been thrown off too many buildings. <laughs> I've been, you know, kicked around too much. I, I want to move higher up into in the stunt world was that a well, it wasn't decision? about yeah. it wasn't about having our bodies abused it was about having creative control and being able to design and be creative yeah that's what took us so chad and i were the the fight coordinators on Bloodsport three yeah uh way back in the day and that was like that was the time where we were starting to get into just creating and that's where we knew that was going and you know we still wanted to perform as well but obviously the way to get our vision on screen was to be a, a 
choreographer, a coordinator, a director. And then Underworld, the Underworld series comes along and that is that's really would you say that was the the good sort of test bed for you where you were, you know, really given creative control from the action design perspective? Yeah, for sure. That was yeah. my first big opportunity to show my vision with something. Um Len Wiseman, the the director, he his pitch to Lakeshore Entertainment and to uh, Sony was that he wanted to to um, have a wire team. He wanted to do everything practically, and he wanted you know the the younger generation of guys that could actually that were in touch with that kind of an action that action and could produce it without having to do the Chinese route with uh, Wu Ping and Chin Yan, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so he really fought for me to get me that job and. Uh, yeah, that's what started it for me, I would say. Did you meet Yen Wu-Ping then when you were doing the this, the Matrix sequels? And what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, we were, I was with Wu-Ping every day for a year and a half yeah, and, wow. uh, and his team. And his team went between himself and his brother, Chin Yen. And so, like, I was with a lot of his team from Matrix. We went over and did Charlie's Angels together. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so um, those guys have been friends of mine for a long time working with those guys are amazing watching the way they work uh was just it was again it was another enlightening experience where we got to see how it was done on that level and then again how we could do it better yeah and i'm not saying maybe not better because what they do is amazing i mean um, Wu Ping's choreographed some of the most amazing action but uh how we could do it and adapt it to Western filmmaking. There wasn't conflict then between the Hong Kong crew and the American way of, because I don't think there'd been a production before the matrix where you had the Chinese crew working so closely with the, with the American stunt crew. But um, you know, what was that like? I mean, when we were on it, we were just, we were all just the fight team. We were just the the stunt team. I mean, there wasn't any separation between us. I mean, I I know Wu Ping and his guys, Wu Ping had his own separate contract and, and, you know, those, those guys had a nice little, um, I don't want to say scam, but they just had a nice, they had a nice thing going. I mean, they, it's, uh, they they found you know obviously matrix came out and it became a hit and they everybody wanted the matrix so then all of the chinese guys like even the guys that weren't necessarily part of that but like coordinators and choreographers from china all these guys that ended up stepping up and getting these shots to do these movies and getting paid like hugely above scale deals to do these things when we're like you guys it's not that hard like we, we could do this too if we we're given the opportunity yeah. And um and the, and then fast forward to like say Batman and in- Inception with Christopher Nolan the Christopher Nolan movies um Christopher Nolan's movies did so well that all of those guys that were surrounded in that, those family all the English stunt coordinators and stunt guys all stepped up from there so mm-hmm. these are just all these waves but in my opinion and and I know that there's a good amount of people that would agree with me um, that it's the American stunt guys are the, is where is the tip of the spear. And and you still, you, you believe that still. Yeah. We're the, I mean, we're the guys that push the limit. We're the guys. It's just that something, you know, a movie will come out and say, for instance, like the raid and then, and then that fight coordinator, everybody wants the raid. Everybody wants that style, but 
it wasn't until that movie came out where somebody was looking for something like that, a unique thing. And, and, and I mean, it's rare that somebody's given an opportunity to do something like that. And then it's, when yeah. it's done for somebody like in a different country, it's like, well, shoot, if you guys give us the opportunity to do a raid, if you give a U.S. team the opportunity to do something that we can really put our stamp on as something unique, we're going to knock it out of the park as much as anybody because we have access to the Chinese guys. We have access to the English. We have access to the Indonesians if we want them. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, we're taking all of their information and we're – evolving it and making it better it is interesting these little trends because i guess it was thailand and tony jar before before that you know when, when that, ja, right. another great yeah, example yeah and, these are, and, and again like like tony jar like he's that's you know uh cabri cabrong that's that's that that's that's uh thai kickboxing that's yeah these are definite styles and the, and that's an actor that's doing his own action yeah which yeah. is another example of just another actor doing their own action. They want to see that. That's his style. Well, then they can shoot him. So let's, we need, we don't have amazing martial artists that are actors that are a, a actors in Hollywood. Yeah. If we did, these, those people would be crushing it and we would be able to do unique action with them. Are you surprised that there's still new things to new ways to shoot action new things that are, that are coming out of this this genre i mean i would say that there are i have so many ideas in my head and i've had them for 15 20 years yeah. and i'm sure that a lot of the stunt coordinators second unit directors out there have the same it's just that Again, people, you know, on Twitter that criticize a movie, they have no idea what goes on. Like, we'd, if we're just not given those opportunities to really run with it and do our thing, yeah. you know, when we are, it, it'll be amazing. But um, yeah. it's, there's just few and far between that we really get carte blanche to really develop and have the time to really create the vision that we think will be you know, the next thing. It's not necessarily the time necessarily. It's just having people listen to us because we're, as a second unit director, as a stunt coordinator, I mean, people listen to us, but we don't really have that much say. We can get overridden at any opportunity. Yeah. If somebody yeah. would listen to us, like I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a director. I have like a three, a three time rule. Like if I go into a director and I pitch him an idea and I really feel strongly about it and they say no, I'll pitch it to them two more times. And if they say no the third time, you know, not necessarily, you know, I might wait a couple of weeks in between, but if they say no the third time, it's like, okay, fine. They just don't want it. But these, what these people don't realize is that at the end of the day, you're, they should utilize us for what we're, what we've studied and what we know and what we're in touch with. Yeah. And when yeah. you bring us in, you're bringing in not just somebody that's going to make their actions safe, but somebody who's, you know, you bring in the right stunt coordinator, the right director, you're bringing in someone who's on the cutting edge of what's hot with action and how to take that and translate it into the best possible product you can have. And when you're, when the production is not allowing that person to have the say they should have, they're missing out on huge opportunities. And do some directors get it more than others? Because you've worked with so many, I mean, Coen brothers, uh, Ang Lee, Spike Lee, Ben Stiller even, they're not necessarily coming from an action um, background but if they get it, they just say Brad, you just run with this sequence you, you know, you you do you know, what you think is going to be best is that more often the case or not so much the case? 
I would say that that is never the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That has never happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah, no, that's never happened. <laughs> no. Um, and then it's unfortunate. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure that's, you know, I haven't seen Chad direct, but I'm sure I would imagine that, you know, no one's going to tell him what's going to go on with the action, but I'm sure he has no problem delegating costumes and set yeah. decoration. And, you know, obviously he has, you know, his two cents, what he wants to put in there, but he'll probably value everybody's um, expertise in their own area to do what they do best yeah, and utilize it and make it make, help make the product better that way. And I think it just happens on a lot lesser scale with action for some reason, because I think everybody, you know, people that are directing action movies, I think they just, they're so excited to direct an action movie and everybody thinks they know how to shoot and direct action, but they don't. It's yeah. just it's not that easy. It's, I mean, it's easy for people like us, you know, JJ and, and Chad and I, but, but it's just, but that's all we know. Hmm. So we've been doing for 30 years. I feel like the Wachowskis got it, though. I mean, those Matrix films, they spent a lot of time in the pre-production. They spent a lot of time training the actors. They made sure that, you know, that Chateau fight is a long... This is a big, chunky fight scene. Quite a few of um, those fight scenes are, the Agent Smith fight scene. You know, they're, they dedicate... That's funny, because Dave and Chad and that... Like, I, I was one of those guys. Dave was one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Chateau fight, but yeah, but but then, I mean, the, first of all, that's Wu Ping choreographing that, yeah, the Chateau fight, and that's um, Wu Ping telling the Wachowskis their idea for shots, yeah, you know, how you want to, and and the Wachowskis shot it in much the way that J Wu Ping likes to shoot and Jackie Chan likes to shoot is you take one shot and you go from beginning to end and then your next shot starts where that last one finishes and goes on rather than the traditional um, Hollywood way, which is you shoot both directions of the same bit of action and you let the editor figure out which way to put it together. Yeah. So, yeah. But so it looks better when you film a fight scene sequentially like that. Though. <laughs> it just looks better, doesn't it? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, provided you have the actors that can do it. And like in that scene, like Keanu was trained and all of us were experienced martial artists. So we, nobody doubled anybody, you know, Chad doubled Keanu in some of the shots, but, yeah. but other than that, um, that was the only double in that whole scene. But that's a dream situation where you've got the director and the martial arts director working in sync and just, you know, being on the same page, I guess that's the key, the key thing. Yeah. And I mean, something that the Wachowskis did that they got very right, which was they were shooting, basically the first matrix they were shooting an anime they were shooting stylized storyboards and stylized action they knew what they were going for they and so they they worked everything around that using whooping and that style of shooting philosophy as well yeah yeah but yeah i mean they, they know what they're doing but i wouldn't say you know i've seen their stuff since and i haven't been really impressed by it yeah. so it's just a matter of who's guiding who i think yeah I mean, we've got Matrix 4 coming out as well. I mean, you must be quite excited to see that. Chad's back on board with that. Yeah, Chad, from what I heard, I'm working with the first assistant director who just did that. Yeah. And apparently, I haven't talked to Chad for a little bit, but he did a cameo in that. Okay. And, and I don't know if, you know, 8711 was a part 
Yes. Yeah, 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 some yeah. of the guys, like I know Jonathan Eusebio was the fight coordinator there, who's one of the 8711 guys. So, Jojo, yeah, yeah. Some, some influence there. Oh, oh, see, I just want to kill you like dogs. The Falcon and Winter Soldier. We just got to quickly talk about that. I really enjoyed that um, that show. Congratulations, good good work on on that uh, TV show. TV. I mean, that's a new thing for you. Was that stressful? There's a lot to get through when you're when you're doing a, a TV show like that. So, um, was that a challenge, Brad? Um, it was. We just had a lot going on all the time. I mean, as yeah. far as the show working out and being great, there were a couple of things that I didn't actually agree with when we were shooting i thought were was was quite odd and i don't know i actually haven't seen the series maybe you can tell me if you saw it then yeah um, my biggest problem with the series was that the flag smashers were a bunch of kids that were sealing pharmaceuticals for third world countries and i was like well if they're the bad guys that's what you don't want your superheroes beating up kids like that and yeah. that was that was kind of like the the first thing that drew me to thinking that the idea and the the antagonist wasn't really the best choice. Yeah, um, but I heard, I heard this. I heard it's really good. And, and um, episodic TV is not necessarily my thing. You obviously don't get the time you need uh, to do what you want. Although, having said that, we had a lot of time in prep. Uh, yeah. One thing that we didn't have though was we didn't have a feature director. We had a television director. And so when uh, television directors don't make as many decisions as feature directors. And so when you're stuck in one of those worlds, um, we were unable to get through a lot of our previs work because the director was having a hard time really okaying the action and really saying what they wanted, what they didn't want. So we were at the point where we would redo the same fight scene over and over again, where we had 10 weeks of prep, we could have gone through three or four action scenes. By the time our prep was over, we were still like dealing with the first one. So when we're getting to shooting, it's the same situation that I'm in now, which is prepping and shooting at the same time. Just working in that Marvel world as well. I mean, had you worked on a Marvel project before that one? Not, not the newer ones. Not yeah. since, you know, I, I, did, uh, I did Spider-Man back in the day. I guess that was more Sony than Yeah, than Marvel. of course. Um, but uh, no, I haven't really worked in that Marvel universe, that new MCU world. Yeah. That was my first time there. It's very much... I mean, I look, I, I don't want to talk bad about any of this stuff. Everyone's got their own taste. But I mean, the, the Marvel universe stuff, that's the producers at the top know what they want. They've got a clear vision. Yeah. They're not looking for a whole lot of ideas and change. It's not necessarily a place where I want to be necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that because... I mean, there's a lot of work there because they're, they're churning out a lot of a lot of content, aren't they? Let's be honest. But I mean, like, yeah, this is, one of the things, like, this is one of the things I would say about that. And this is uh, going back to plugging my company, which yeah. is, which I've taken that name now, Smash Cut, because I cre- I was the one that came up with that name back in the day. So I'm taking it. So yeah. my new company's called Smash Cut. But uh, when you get on a movie, often you get in there and there's. Um, animatics, which is basically a computer-generated previs of the action scenes. And Marvel is um, very good at already having a bunch of these animatics done by the time they hire action specialists to come in and do their shows. So um, one of my pitches as an action consultant is that 
I want to be there when they start creating these previses, when these, they start creating these animatics, because as a stunt coordinator, I can't, t- and you know, I know many will agree with this. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and taken the previs that they've developed without anybody who knows has their finger on the pulse of action at all, creating it. And we come in and say, look, this isn't possible. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This would be better. And, and basically just tear it apart and sometimes off, you know, often making something completely new. Whereas they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars creating these things um, to begin with. I would like to go in there at the very beginning, early on when people are putting together these animatics and help guide them and help give them, yeah. you know, cutting edge um, options and possibilities of things that they can do and practical ways of shooting things that are maybe more cost effective than others rather than just going like this big, you know, making some big, huge computer animatic that nobody really is yeah. in love with. I mean, that's um, a no brainer, isn't it? Like that, that just seems like the, what's the expression horse before the cart or whatever, but it's never happened yet. Yeah. It's never, it's, I, it has never happened as of yet. So I want to, that's one of the things I want to do in my company is be one of those consultant advisors to, you know, starting creating the vision from the very first inception of it. Within the Marvel Universe, at least that whole Captain America side of things is very grounded and rooted in in martial arts, isn't it? I mean, that must have been good to be part of the Marvel world where you are focusing more on realistic fight action than necessarily the more CGI-led superhero stuff? Well, yes and no. I mean, the, the I can't remember episode three or so where it was the truck top fight. I mean, yep. there, was, there was nothing happened on top of the truck. Yeah. I mean, a couple of shots. I mean, it was all on stage. So, you yeah. know, that's all computer-generated background or mm-hmm. plates that we lay over. So I think that, obviously, at the end of the day, of course, it would be great to do everything practical, but there's, a, there's like a time element there where yeah. they're just not able to do that. So yeah. I would say that maybe the, there's, you know, the CG is so good right now that it maybe it's sometimes hard to distinguish, but most of that stuff is done on stage. Do you wrestle with that a bit because you like practical action just as your own style? That's something that you like wrestling, you know, that with the whole CGI world. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, I just, I just think that, like you said, putting the cart before the horse, like don't, do a shot and 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 see it as a cgi shot do it as like okay how much of this is practical can we do this practically and if we need help with cgi use it as a tool to help you with the practical side of things i like use it i like like michael bay will do shots where he'll put a camera car in the middle of his action scenes where they're shooting with a helicopter up above but so you don't see the camera car down below in the helicopter shooting. They'll just put a CG skin over the top of that camera car. Hmm. And, you know, when they're shooting this helicopter shot, so you don't actually know that's a camera car. So just like, you know, utilizing it in smart ways rather than having it drive the action sequence. So this is Smash Cuts Action Design. This is your new uh, company. What's the vision with this then? You know, and where can people find out more information about it? Well, it's going to be smashcutaction.com once our, uh, once our website is up and running. Basically, it's going to be, like I said, it's an action pro- uh, consulting firm that is going to help productions at any step of their action from the very beginning, from inception, all the way through if they want uh, help in 
placing people on their sets, you know, uh, um, finding finding the best coordinator for the job, finding the best choreographer for the job, uh, helping them with their budgets, helping them with uh, motivation for their scripts, uh, writing action scenes. Every, every, for every step along the way, there's an element of my firm that could help. Brad, I, w- I wish you all the best with that and um, best of luck with uh, the rest of the shoots there in Ireland. Yeah, thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, great. Thank you, Ben. It was a pleasure. Brad Martin there. Really enjoyed talking to Brad. We could have talked for hours, to be honest, which is often the case with the people that we get on this show. So thank you so much, Brad. Thank you for your time. Just following up on a few points raised during that conversation, that Maggie Q film that Brad mentioned is called The Protégé. It also stars Samuel L. Jackson and Michael Keaton. It will be released on the 20th of August 2021 by Lionsgate. For Dungeons & Dragons, we're going to have to wait a little while for Dungeons & Dragons. That won't be out until 2023. It's got a great cast, though. Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, Reggae Jean Page and Hugh Grant. That's not a bad lineup. A lot of love there for JJ Perry on this episode. JJ has, of course, been a guest on this podcast. You can listen to my chat with JJ Perry on episode 11 of this show. And you can also go to our YouTube channel as well to listen to that one. JJ recently wrapped his directorial debut. It's a vampire action movie with Jamie Foxx called Day Shift. Snoop Dogg and Scott Adkins are also on board. For that one, we cannot wait to see how Day Shift turns out. Brad's action consultancy business, we talked about that quite a bit at the end there. That's called Smash Cut Action Design. The website is smashcutaction.com. Brad is also available on LinkedIn and you can follow him on Instagram at Brad Martin Action. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode of the show. I do hope you have enjoyed listening to my conversation with Brad Martin. A huge thank you to Brad for taking the time to talk to me and also a special thank you to Adriana Cesar. Thank you so much, Adriana, for all your help in arranging this conversation with Brad. And finally, a huge thank you to you, of course, the loyal Foo follower, for listening to the very end. Thank you so much. We will go on a little bit of a break now, but don't worry, Foo followers, the podcast will return again at some point in 2021. In the meantime, do keep it locked to our social media channels for all the latest news regarding this show and the world of martial arts movies. Until we meet again, then do take care, stay safe, be well, and I will speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.